spirituality without the Father. My name is Svetlana. Mm -hmm. My question is about the spiritual DNA. Right, define spiritual DNA. Uh, what I heard, we have 23 and the 24th is multidimensional on multidimensional on other dimensional level and nobody can see it like but scientists will come later with this information but so far all creatures as per my understanding have 24 24 what uh sp <laughs> see what i mean uh gene splicing and right. DNA sounding and codon sounding. We actually have 136. 126? 136. So basically when you're looking at um, variations of spiritual DNA, we're not actually looking at spiritual DNA, we're looking at what's called hybridization splicing. It's when about 150,000 years ago, there's a, a very clear and concise jump forward evolutionary within the humanoid species. Now, that coincides with a lot of the ancient Arcadian Sumerian slices of the old gods. So when we're talking about spiritual DNA, we're talking about the direct bloodline association with godlike creatures that walk the planet. Uh, if you work on the 24 codon ratio, it means that you're taking your human self out of the equation. So therefore, you're talking to me as if you're just a pile of liquid. So codons and DNA stranding is completely different to spiritual DNA. Spiritual DNA is the influence of an exterior force within our DNA that shows the consciousness evolution of man about 150,000 years ago. I just confused the hell out of you. I'm just watching your face going, what the hell did he just say? The, the thing is, and again, the whole purpose of this, um, these nights of knowledge and the, this particular podcast is spirituality without the fluff. When we've taken something that works very scientifically, where there is scientific evidence of splicing about 150,000 years, years ago within our genotype, um, in the modernized world, that's called the blue blood or the royal blood syndrome, where they are direct descendants from these, what we call uh, ancient gods. In some people's ideologies, that's called the ancient astronauts or the ancient aliens. So think of the Sumerian gods, the Arcarian gods, anti and real. They actually have blood splicing that we can test today for. They're a very specific frequency or resonance frequency within our DNA, and that's held in codon 37. Now, if you're saying that there's only 24, how can their information be held in 37? There's only so much information that we are privy to based on what, what some people call it national security, other people because uh, fear-mongering or lack thereof fear-mongering, where we t only get a percentage of the information in order to appease the logical mind, but it's not the big picture. So the 23-24 ratio is the external force and the connection force, otherwise known as the God particle that connects us to the original gods, but that's DNA. It's not external to the body, it's internal to the body. Mm -hmm. That's why it appears in our DNA. And what DNA is that? Which, not, which, which, which part? Um, well, all of our DNA, if you take a high percentage of it, we are very much removed from what we classify as humans today. 
we have a high percentage of lizard, a draconic lizard. And when you actually break it down into an anatomical level, we're closer to a banana than we are to an ape. That's how much influence and, how would you say, doctoring has been done within it. Which is actually a really funny side note, because we had this conversation sort of off mic about cryptids. One of somebody here, and I'm looking at them now, started to laugh when I said it. But cryptids is, uh, if we look at it from a different ideology, not the ideology of spiritual influence or spiritual uh, DNA influence, and actually look at it at the hybridization and the, what we call the genome splicing, you can actually find that a lot of the cryptids are actually mutated humans. So they're human experiments that went wrong, trying to replicate what happened over 150,000 years ago. It's kind of a weird scenario, but that's that's the scientific facts behind it. And there is a lot of scientific documentation. So back to uh, spiritual DNA, um, you mentioned once that there's a uh um, blood kind of lineage, and then there is the spiritual lineage. Is that something? Spiritual to do? lineage is blood lineage. It's so, when we when we're looking at lineages, we we automatically assume through genealogy of location and ancestrals. All of our ancestors do actually fall down to into a very few people. Um, technically, it's three. And if you actually look at the different uh, bloodlines and the royal bloodlines, they're the direct descendants of them three. So, uh, in Christian ideology, that's known as the rose, the rose line. Uh, if you look at it through the Hindu ideology, it's actually the Shivasa or the Shiva line, the river of Shiva. Uh, if you look at it from paganistic, um, an esoteric paganism, which is neo-paganism as we know it today, it actually comes of the goddess gene. So, uh, spiritual DNA is, by definition, the parts of the DNA that connects you to spirit. So therefore, your whole brain is spiritual DNA, because that's what actually connects you to the spirit, is the consciousness. So when you raise your consciousness above a certain frequency, which in this case is uh, over 100,000 hertz, you have the ability to spiritually connect to anything, and that is the I am principle. So when you get into that deep meditation, you are connecting to everything and nothing at the same time. You are a part and nothing at the same time. And that's basically uh, that's baseline coming from the ideology that one part of your brain is fueled from an external source, which we class in the Westernized world as being our soul. So our DNA isn't fueled by our soul. Our soul is fueled by our DNA, and that determines what traits that we have. Hence, what we call star seeds and stuff like that. And so, what is a star seed then? Well. The westernized version of starseeds is the, the original occupational planet where this energy or the soul splice came from. Pleiades is a big one. I'm sure a lot of people have heard of the Palladian constellation. But there's many other constellations where we know that there's energy comes from. The Lyran constellation, we have the Boots constellation. If we look at it on what we uh, know and I mean that with air quotes and very loosely, there's 1.34 million different alien spaces that are species that we are aware of. Now, when we say the term alien, that also incorporates multidimensional beings. Because anything that has got a power that's greater than the human existence is non-Terran. So if you look at, it actually came up in the previous podcast, look at Sasquatch, Bigfoot. Everybody laughs about it. It's a cryptid. It's actually an alien race. It comes from the Boots constellation. It's been here for over 100,000 years. And they're multidimensional. 
so they can slip in and out of the fourth dimension. That's why we see them sometimes and don't see them others. Think of um, all of the stories, I'm sure you've read them online or you've read the different documentaries on starseed abductions, the, the, the Nordics, the, the greys, the Syrian greys. They're all multidimensional because they work on a consciousness level that's above our ability to comprehend at this minute. And only when we are in that what's called slip consciousness or etherical consciousness do we actually get to that same vibrational level where we can start to see entities. One of the easiest ways to do that, drugs. Not that I'm condoning drugs by any means. Mushrooms, ayahuasca, DMT, white gold powder, peyote, all these uh, hallucinogens are actually opening up a part of your DNA, which you classified in spiritual DNA. Your spiritual DNA needs something to encode it because it, it does something that uh, a lot of other substances can't do, which turns off your logical brain. Spirituality is not logical. By any means, it's not logical. It can be tested. It can be scientifically tested. It can be algorithmic. It can be. It can have a definitive set of values, but it's not logical. There's no logical explanation as to why we have a soul. There's no ex. Technically, because of the research on the brain and the neuron one and neuron two variants, there's no scientific research or documentation to say that consciousness actually exists. Yet we live with it every minute of every day. It's weird when you think about it. When you actually break it down into that, it doesn't make any sense. We can prove that there's conscious waves through brainwave mapping. That's where you get the guys, the doctors coming in with all the little stimulation pads and it looks like a really bad hair job, a hair mask all over the head. They're, they're looking for brain waves. But there's more brain activity when you're asleep than, than when you're awake. And that's the weird thing. That's the, when we can prove consciousness and parasympathetic or subconscious as well. When you're sleeping, when your body is at absolute rest, when you're not influenced by the stresses of life. So when uh, I, I heard one of the definitions of consciousness is like uh, it's attention, awareness or something. So when you sleep, if there's more consciousness activity when you sleep, so it's not a awareness or your attention. It is awareness. It's awareness to the space, not to the visual sense of the space. So when you're bringing an awareness to your consciousness, you're contemplating by definition. But if you're sitting, uh, if you're lying in bed and you're going through sub-REM, so sub-REM is when you're going into that REM process and or coming out of it. It can be vice versa in that one. In that moment, your body is operating at 73% more efficient than, our, than you would be at your waking state because then you have to worry if you've got your natural stresses. I'm going out. Is somebody going to hurt me? Am I going to get hurt? What's the elements like? What's the ion counts like? What's the negativity of people like? What's the stress levels going to be like? That's where awareness is shut off. Awareness is actually detachment. So when we want to be more consciously aware, we want to be more consciously detached from the normal things that bring our vibration down, like stresses, like work, like, you know, negative energy, whatever the way you want to assimilate that conversation. But awareness and consciousness are slightly different because they come from two different parts of the brain. So we have to understand what is actually awareness and what is actually consciousness. Consciousness is a vibration. It's a resonance that comes from the firing zones of our brain and awareness is us contemplating them connections. It's uh, kind of like the Buddhist ideology, contemplate a piece of grass. You can't even fathom a piece of grass because you're not one. You can contemplate it. 
you can get to the thing, but you're never going to be fully aware because you're never going to be able to eat a grass. And that's the problem within the, the Westernized spiritual community where we believe that we have the ability to contemplate things outside our range because we have no influence or understanding of how it is from that other perspective. And that's the same way if we look at star seeds and we look at star, our spiritual DNA and we, you know, even if you want to use the term non-Terran or alien influence, we can never fathom that from their per- perspective ever because we're never going to be anything except for what we are. Now, consciously, we are all equal because what is consciousness on a very deep level? Light and sound. So the light that comes in through your eyeball is a frequency. We see in a certain frequency. We hear on a certain audible scale of frequency. We emanate through our EMF, or what some people call our aura field, on a specific frequency. So everything on the planet, everything in the universe comes down to two things, sound and frequency. Because every frequency makes a sound. So it doesn't matter if it's low audible, it's still a sound-based frequency. If we can get past the sound, we can see between the lights. And that's what we classify as slipping into third and fourth dimensional mindset. It's fascinating when you think about it. But the problem is we don't think. We think what we're told to think. We don't have that free contemplation because even contemplation comes with a set of guidelines. Think of meditation. One of the biggest tools for connecting with our own subconscious or parasympathetic mindset for to obtain that I am frequency. And yet we're told how to do it. Does anybody sit back and go, how do I do this myself? They always look for an instructor. They always look for a mentor. They always look for a guru. And they always look to the wrong place. Because they always go to the Far East. We look at Buddhists and uh, Shaolin monks and Taoist monks. And we go, so well, these guys literally meditate for a living. No, they don't. Been there, done that, wore the shirt. They don't. I learned the biggest lesson of my life with them guys. You go in, you see you, your assumption with these monks is that they meditate all day. No, they don't. They meditate for nine minutes and contemplate their meditation for the rest of the day. So they look for the messages, they look for the understandings, they look for the teachings. So meditation, um, it's kind of like your sleep pattern. I'm going to say that very loosely. Um, But there is a, a definite analogy that can be made out of that. When you go into sleep, how long do you dream for? Seconds. Nine seconds. Why? Because anything after that, your subconscious processes stop. It means you stop breathing. It means your heart stops beating. It means your stomach stops digesting. You literally, after nine seconds, that's why sometimes when somebody goes into a REM sleep and comes out after a really hard day, they'll jump up and they're gasping for air because they've went over the nine second ratio and the body is starting to stop producing the signals that's needed for the very baseline of who we are. Introduce air, break down, pump heart. It's really fascinating when you look at it. It's deeply fascinating. But consciousness doesn't work like that. What is consciousness? Frequency. Mm-hmm. On a baseline. So all the crystals you're sitting around are the lowest form of consciousness on the planet. Why? Because there's signals within it. As soon as two molecules are communicating, that's consciousness. Now, sentient consciousness means that we have the ability to alter that signal so we want to lift our hand we send a signal we we alter that consciousness and we lift our hand right crystals do the same thing they emanate at different frequencies depending on the chemical construct or what's called the crystal line alignment or geometric of that particular uh, rock 
but they're sentient beings because they produce a signal. What about vegetation is the same, but what about animals? Are they sentient? Of course they are. They feel, don't they? You see tears coming out of an animal if it's sad. You hear whining to prove it. So think of, think of a pet dog, okay? It'll pant when it's happy. It'll wag its tail. That's sentience. It'll whine. It'll cry if it's upset. That's sentience. We determine sentience based on our own association as a human. But sentience isn't human. It's universal. It's understanding. It's communication. Dogs, cats, animals communicate in different ways. It's like different tones of their yelp, different tones of their barks, different tones of their whines mean different things. For instance, a dog who whines looking to go to the potty will whine different if he wants attention or if he wants food. It's like knowing their language, but their language is all sentient because anything that has the ability to communicate can be sentient. Not just because we're human and we can build massive civilizations. Go back 500,000 years ago, you couldn't do that. Does that mean that you're as dumb as the animals or that you're thinking are dumb now? No, it just meant that we found ways of communicating and that's where star seeds come in. That happened in so ancient So the languages Arcadia. came from star seeds? Of course. The first languages was cuneiform, came from Arcadia and Sumeria. Where, if all you look at all the legends of the Sumerians and the Sumerian civilization, the first ones to bring in mathematics, governments, civilizations, give us the ability to make civilizations, the ability to stop us from being nomadic into a settlement. And that was governed by the old gods. It's all over the documentation. It's on the cuneiform slabs. It's on all of that stuff. And you look at that, empty and real. All the evidence is there. And it's not that it's fantastical evidence. There's archaeological evidence there. There's situational evidence. And we are a direct result of the principles put in place by that. Agriculture, society, buildings, civilization, places of worship. All came from that era. We haven't advanced any since we've actually, in my opinion, went back. We've went miles back in comparison. We've been stagnant since 1920. Since 1920, we've been stagnant. We have not evolutionarily grown forward except for 1946, 1947, 1948. We had a few massive jumps. Um, I have my own belief system behind that. Might get into it, I might not. But since that time, we've never really evolved. Like the technology that we have today is still, is still the same technology and basis and the thesis that we've had for 60, 70, 80 years now, nearly 100 years. But what about December 21st, 19, uh, 2012? So you're talking about the Mayan calendar? I'm talking about the crossing the line, yeah. <clears throat> Did they cross the line? Are we talking about the hydronon collider here? Or are we talking about the, the transition of the of the Mayan calendar? Transition. So, okay, if we're looking at the transition of the Mayan calendar, then we have to put that into Mayan time frame. So, now we're talking about altered time frames. If you look at it now, we're in the Gregorian calendar. The Julian means we're 257 days behind. If we look at the pre-tag Julian, which is called the Santo, the Santo says that we're 13 days behind that. So that's 270 days we're off already. Now you take that into the original variation of time and the collection of time, which is the ancient Egyptians, we are 4,321 years behind. We are trying to assimilate 
ancient civilizational technology and apply it to a Gregorian calendar that is not valid. If you look at uh, the first transition of the first century, so we're looking about 873, 874, three major people, Constantine II was one of the, the major ones, all wanted to be the rulers of the new millennium. They, in that moment, moved our calendar 157 years forward. So we cannot assimilate and associate ancient technology and ancient timing based on a calendar that's corrupt from the day one. We have 157 years forward plus 270 days, and then if you look at the original time frame, which is actually the movement of the constellations, which the Egyptian took out of Sumer and, if you want to go a wee bit earlier, Atlantis, Lemuria, and actually shows that in Egypt right now, the year is 6264. It's not 2023. So when you actually assimilate, uh, if you, you're basing a lot of the, you know, the doomsday philosophies and all these things of the, the, the Mayan tablet, the Rosetta Stone, the Emerald Tablets of Thoth, and the Light Tablets of Thoth, and the Dead Sea Scrolls, you have to put it into context. We're literally 4,000 years away from what we are. Now, an interesting side effect, just because this has come up, if we look at the, the, uh, the Sphinx and the Giza Plateau right now, right, and a lot of people are saying, oh, well, they were created, you know, 5,000 years ago. Well, do you actually look at the evidence of that, of the erosion coming off the original Nile water that came into the Sphinx? That's how they actually irrigated the, the, that area at that time, that plateau, the Giza Plateau. Another side fact, we'll go back to that in a minute. But if you actually look at the erosion, it's 10,000 years old. So if we go back 5,000 or 4,000 years and we add the current calendar to that, it's 10,000 years old. And that actually lines up with the amount of erosion that has happened. It's calendar imbalances based on transformation of time for basically to keep humans in check. What is time? What is time? It's a man-made calculation and it's a control governance. And that's the thing that people aren't getting. And I think when the, the human consciousness wakes up to that, then a lot of the rat race that we're stuck in right now won't occur. So many hours do you work in a day? You can answer in the mic. How many hours do you work in a day? Six to eight. Right. How many hours is there in the day? Twenty-four. Right. So you take eight hours out of that day. Right? How many are you left with? Sixteen. And you sleep for eight hours. Right? You take your food, getting changed, getting to work, getting back to work. You actually work for twenty hours a day and you only get four hours of sleep. Now who on earth would make a human? Work for 20 hours a day. Slave drivers. Slave drivers. We live in a slave orientated based on time. So the greedy keep keep moving us forward based on the, the actually association. What we believe is a working day is 12 hours. But we're sleep for eight, seven to eight. Some don't sleep at all. I am aware of that. But on the average, seven to eight is what a lot of people will sleep in a day. So it's not 24 hours in a day. Take the eight hours out. It's only 16 and you're working for some people 10, 12 hours of that, that leaves you four hours. Four hours of you time an entire day. If that. If that, right? When you break it down to that, it's really scary how much control they have over us. Yep. 
And then they'll go, oh, well, the, the, you know, the planet's shifted, not 0.3 degrees, so we have to put in a leap day year to balance it out. No, they have to put the leap year day in to balance the movement of the constellations, which our very calendars are born out of. It's fascinating when you think about it. It's all a rat race. It is fascinating, but you know, do you refer to the thing is the governments they inherited the system. So when no, the they system don't. They make it. But like rewind when when back are you talking about the Gregorian calendar? So uh, yeah, but the, yeah, but you're 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 basing governments as being the same as civilization. They're two different things. Governments were made for people of prowess and power. Governments used to be governed literally by people of spiritual significance mm -hmm. spiritual significance is no as much valid as putting a tree in the middle of a really busy city and say that we're green it doesn't work it's only an aspect of it now now it's about profits mm -hmm. it's about turning over profits it's about money it's nothing to do with anything else except for that and governments know that otherwise the fuels the We'll get back to that little point where it was started off and it sort of went down a rabbit yeah, hole. Yeah, we talked about time, so I have one, one quick uh, comment. Okay, so keep it in that, and then uh, I'll go yeah, back to that so, point. <laughs> so time, uh, Kronos and Kairos, right. uh, two different kind of uh, aspects of time, like Kronos is chronological and mm -hmm. Kairos is more like... Celestial. Uh, exactly, yeah, it's yeah. not... Uh, but we should, uh, if we're looking at time... What is it actually? It's just rotational movement of the planet on its axis. So if the planet shifts 0.01 degrees, what generally it does, then that's a change in time. That's the only time that time should... The rest is man-made. There's no such thing as time. If you actually go back, right, and you go back pre-Gregorian, pre-Julian calendar, we had 13 months, not 12. Yeah. 13 months of 30 days because it literally rotated properly. There was none of this leap year crap. There was none of year 31 this year, 28 this year, 27 or 29 the year after that. There was none of that crap. It was very statistically based on mm -hmm. celestial movement of constellations and planetary Venus uh, turns around in 13 years or something like yeah. that. Yeah. It's a few months. So, but it's crazy. Just you mentioned even that planet, right? So it takes 13 hours to make a year. Right? 13 hours is a year in Venus. Mm -hmm. But one rotational day is six and a half years. Mm -hmm. Think about that. That's a head fuck, no matter which way you look at it. It is. And that's, what we're, that's where we need to deassociate from the lineage of time. Time, by definition, is the amount of time it takes light from get, to get from one place to another. Right? If we look at that on a statistical level, right? If there's a race of aliens on the moon, they're seeing us seven years ago. If there's a race of people on Mars, they're seeing us 36 years ago. We go to the edge of our solar system. They're seeing us 1.2 million years ago. But yet our whole time is based on a calendar that's corrupt. Nothing makes sense. And when you get into it and you get into it in a deep level, you actually see how little sense it actually makes and how much you are controlled through the association of time. How many, I'm, I'm sure there's hundreds online, but even in this room, right? How many times do you wake up in the morning and go, crap, I'm late? Are you late? What happened to the divine timing? What happened to be there when you get there? 
Look at the amount of stress, anxiety, amount of palpitations, amount of disease, amount of mental disease that we occur based on time that isn't real. Contemplate that for even half a second. You take out, I got to be there at one o'clock for dinner with my friends. If I'm late, they're going to judge me. Take that scenario out of your week. I got to go to work. I got to be there at 9 a.m. if you're lucky. And I get to be out of there for eight. Think how many times you've got panicked if you're getting two or three minutes to work and you're not going to swipe in on time. Think how many times you've looked at the clock out machine and go, oh shit, there's one minute. Am I going to get in shit if I swipe this one minute early? Think how many times you've done it in your lifetime. Hundreds. Unnecessary control. Why? Because that is the most efficient time from them hours that you have the most energy and the most brain power. And that's why we are utilizing a working day. After a certain time, our body clock goes, right, we need to go to bed. We need to rest. That's when we are at our lowest point of energy. So they worked it really freaking well to keep us in the rat race. Keep our mind conscious on doing the work to get the money to pay for the rat race. That we actually have stopped to take a lesson and go, is this actually good for us? Is it? No. But we've accepted it everywhere in the world. Time is the biggest prisoner of every person. I grew up in a military home. <clears throat> My father was a sergeant major in the army. He was actually a color sergeant uh, in the British army as well. It was the scariest thing. My father said, you be there. I don't care where you are. I don't care what your excuse. Be there one minute early, but don't you be a second late. And that's what I grew up with. So I'm very much on time. I'd rather be somewhere and sitting outside at 20 minutes early rather than be one minute late because I can still to this day, my father's past 14 years, this day, you be there on time. But that's because the military are drilled like that. Even they're, on they're time very... is late and, you know, early is on time, on time is late. Uh-huh. It's, it's crazy. You have to be early. Five minutes early. And if you're on time, as you say, that's classified as late. Where were you? Why are you not here five minutes ago? There's an expectation based around it. And that actually curbs us spiritually. Because you think you've got eight hours of sleep, you've eight hours of work, right? That only leaves you eight hours. And then you have to eat, you have to move, you have to commute, you have to do all these damn things. That leaves you, in the modern society, about three hours in the day for ourselves. And think if you flick through your cell phone. Well, there's an hour gone a day. What's happening on Instagram? What's happening on Facebook? What's <laughs> happening on YouTube? Oh, this guy put up a new video. Well, there's a 30-minute video. Well, there's 30 minutes of your day gone. What? How much of this time are you actually spending for yourself? Mm. How much of this time are you actually developing your own consciousness to get out of the rat race? I had a fascinating conversation about this with my wife. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. To the point that we nearly got into an argument over it. Because I'm like, but rat race, you'll never escape it because we're born into it. And you can't really, I mean, that ties to money as well. You mentioned money, time and money, right? Time Mm -hmm. and money is is inseparable. So what would be the cure? Mm. So what's the exit exit of this? What is the exit of it? It's very simple. If if the masses come together and said, okay, let's work between ourselves. You do joinery or carpentry. I'm a plumber. I'll do your plumbing. You do my carpentry. Back to the bartering system. Yeah, back in the Iron Age, where no matter who you knew, you could get it. So this guy can build a hut? Okay, well, I can put a chimney in it. Oh, this guy wants a bed built? Well, I need plumbing done. 
you get back to that, they lose control. And it's about the loss of control. Right now, we're in a capitalist, commercialized mindset. We wake up, we're surrounded by subliminal advertising every minute of every day. This freaking podcast is a proof and evidence of it. You know, I am not lost. The irony is not lost that I'm bitching about technology and I'm using technology to get the message out. However, if we come together as a masses, they don't have the same control. The problem is we're that afraid of what we are going to be judged about that we don't actually come together they'll only get so far mm-hmm. and then you have to take in right so how much influence is in these decisions right how many bills have passed in parliament in this past year does anybody know no who cares but that's my point these people are running your government with your money and nobody knows and yeah that's it that shows how far detached we are from our own society mm-hmm. that we don't even care about the people who are making the rules on our behalfs to curb us to take more money out of us to pay for their big mm-hmm. bonuses so they have a better life than us mm-hmm. it's a greedy man's world mm-hmm. and i me personally think if we get back into that bartering system and got back into the utilization of knowledge instead of the belittling of it we'd be a lot better society as a whole even globally Mm-hmm. There should, there's no such thing as poverty. There's no such thing as climate change. There's no such thing as uh, population overload. Are you aware that Japan and China, where they bitch about being so, so overpopulated, have the lowest population levels and the lowest lo- rebirth levels mm-hmm. ever recorded? Mm-hmm. In 10 years, they're going to be obsolete. <laughs> you oh, think I'm joking? Not. Yeah. 10 years. Well, let's be honest. Let's calculate it. 27 years. By 2050... There's only going to be 650 million people in China based on current exclusion. Right now it's 1.8 billion, just for the record. But we reach 8 million right now on the planet last year. Yeah. If you put all 8 billion into one country, you still have 350,000 hectares of land left over. You could put the whole population in Canada alone, of the entire world. Mm-hmm. We look at it as being a big thing, that we're pulling all these resources. That's all bullshit. Because there's so much more of the world that is uninhabited than is inhabited. We actually had this discussion earlier yeah. during your thing. You know what I mean? The problem is we don't divide the resources fairly. That's where the issue lies. So it's not a fact that we don't have an overpopulation or a climate control or climate issue climate issue means that it's a stable climate we actually are more stable now than we've ever been unfortunately what are you our planet needs earth needs a variant climate we need big raises and big drops because that's what we classify as seasons that's how we determine seasons on uh, switches and ionic pressure but if you actually look our climate right now is more stable than it's been maybe in 200,000 years we are now going on a degree up or a degree down. We're not going 50 degrees up and 40 down. And that's where people are panicking because we're not seeing these big shifts. But if we turn around and we say, right, we're going to control the people. And I'm getting very political here and I'm well aware of it, but I really don't give a shit. This is my views and I'm going to give you them. If we take a, a collective of all the people, we go, right, we're doing this shit over here. Let's start pushing climate change. Let's start pushing it. So then they're more worried about 
the planet heating up than they are worried about us burning nearly 900% more than what we should be to get money in our pockets. The world is not the problem. The 1% elites and the lack of governance of these 1% elites is the problem. Where they can do whatever the fuck they want because they have 20 trillion in their bank account. That's your problem right there. You want to know why the world is not spiritually advancing and the global consciousness is not arising? Because we don't have the opportunity to do it because they keep us so far down that we don't have the belief system in ourselves or as a collective to push ourselves up. It's scary when you think about it. That's why self-esteem is one of the most popular, uh, I'll just say, attributes that people are seeking and or working on. Yeah, well, self-worth or self-esteem. But here's the key word, self. You don't have to work on, this, on that. It's a part of you. Just accept that you can't control it and that, uh, by definition, eradicates it. Self-worth. Let's look at self-worth, because it's a very good one to get into. So if we look at self-worth as a baseline of it is, it is our worth in the face of what? The opinions of others. Mm -hmm. well, I'm sorry to tell you. Here's a wake-up call. Other people's opinions are none of your damn business, because that's their interpretation based on their upbringing, their traits, their belief systems, and they have frick all to do with you. The second that you start to align to somebody else's belief system and allow that to control your life, you ain't a human, you a puppet. Or I call it the sheeple. You turn into a sheep. My friends are going that way. Peer pressure, well, I'm going to go that way too. There's nothing as scary as that as an adult now having the ability to sit back and go, God, look at all the things I've done growing up. And then look at the, the modern world. Half the crap that the people in this room done going up, we'd be in jail for 20 years now. We'd be racists. We'd be bigots. We'd be transphobic. And that's just our basic everyday life growing up. The, prop, the problem is it's easier to focus on issues that aren't important to keep us deflected from the issues that are. The 1%, I'm not even going to say the 1%. I'm going to give you a very categoric description. One of the largest religious conformities on the planet is Catholicism, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. We can all agree with that. It's one of the, the one of the largest. It's still one of the fastest growing, believe it or not, except for the Order of the Jedi. Random side now, it's actually an official recognized, and it's good. And their values are pretty good. They work on the Star Wars values. Totally random, but I've thought I'd throw that in there. But if you look at the Catholic Church, the Catholic Church has more money in um, assets than any global organization put together. They have more money in their vaults than all of the World Banks combined. They own more property mm -hmm. than any country has themselves. Every city, I'm guarantee you, you can agree with me, has five, six, seven, eight, nine churches that are Catholicized. Maybe different lineages within Catholicism, still Catholicism nevertheless. If the Vatican opened its wallet, and poured out $8 billion, they wouldn't even recognize it gone. It would be like pocket change. And you could have world hunger, you could have sex trafficking, you could have uh, the diversification of third world and fourth world alignment, all in one sitting. Why did they not do it? All these big billionaires, I want to change the world. Stop making us buy your bullshit. And give it. Give me your money then. 
make it a world that we all want to agree in. It's going to highlight another little project that's going on on the Florida Keys right now. It's called the Venus Project. And this is a think tank of really advanced uh, scientists, heads of all of these different, how would you say, trades. And they're in a full barter system. If you don't have a, uh, a talent to offer, you're not welcome there. They don't give a shit about your money. They want to build a community based on a bartering system where everybody is equal. So if you have 100 people and one guy can build 100 houses and another guy can mine the stuff for that 100 houses and another guy can fit out that house, everybody gets a house. If you get a farmer who can have cattle or meat and you can have, I'm not going, I don't give a shit about veganism. I'm, not, I'm just going to say that because that's bullshit. They kill more stuff than, than an average cow does and your body's set up to be an omnivore, not a herbivore. Um, but if you set everything up within this, uh, this Venus project, everybody gets equal share. That means nobody's better, nobody's worse. And if the Vatican released a purse, that means the whole world would be like a if some of the governments actually release the technology that they actually have, that they took from innocent. There's a really interesting one of um, Kisadik Kisan. He's a Russian guy with the hydro... Who's this? Uh, Kisan, you call him. Kisadik Kisan. Guys, this is from your country. How do you not know this? Kisadik Kisan. Uh-huh. He's from outside Moscow. He was the first one that actually had uh, no phones. You can check it out afterwards. <laughs> That's why we were recording it. So he actually came up with this system where he could run an entire home on a coil and water. And the second that he released it and released the pattern as a free pattern, so any person can do it, turned up dead. There's another guy in the States who found a way to run a car on water ended up dead. That was a byproduct. That was stolen. Here's who invented it all. Tesla. Do you know that the FBI, the CIA, the KGB and the triads went to war with each other to get the contents of his hotel safe? Went to war. For 20 fucking years. Absolute facts. And who got it? Who got it? The CIA. The CIA got it. Tesla was a genius. And I'm going to say something else. You're not going to like it, but I don't really give a shit. So it was Hitler. Who? Hitler. Hitler was a freaking... Do I believe what his party wanted him to do? I believe Hitler was a, a, a very advanced scientist. I don't believe he was a political leader. I think he was a puppet. I think of the Second World War, he was the Donald Trump. Let's throw this clown up there and then everybody laugh at him. That's how I think. On saying that, Donald Trump done amazing for the, the American thing, um, the American economy. So did Hitler. But Hitler's basis was on science, on esoteric. Mm -hmm. He had the largest collection of esoteric ancient texts anywhere in the world. He was investigating Antarctica before any person knew what was going on there, which now we know has every country in the world has scientists there stationed all the time in Antarctica, 24-7, 365. 
What are they looking for? They're actually researching the 655-foot pyramid that is underneath the ice. That no one's talking about. Oh, it's talking about it. The problem is it's been hidden. There's uh, pictures from 1912 and the original German expedition to there. And then there's other ones from 1936 to 1951 where it actually shows black and white, where it wasn't as snow-covered as it is right now and actually showed the ancient artifacts. It showed all the ancient statues and it actually showed the top end of the freaking pyramid. Now there's a 3,000-kilometer no-fly zone around it. Why? Because that pyramid is still working. Why? Because pyramids are not death tombs. Pyramids were sources of magnetic power. And when people visit those pyramids, do they get any charge in there? Yeah, like? most of them are set to right frequency. If we look at the three Giza pyramids, depending on what's, uh, what they're aligned with, depending on the frequency charge that there goes. But if we take on, that's something that I did want to go back to. If we go to the Giza pyramids and base it on today's statistics, they'll not work. Why? Because the Nile has moved three and a half kilometers from the source. At the time of the that they were working and operational within society, within the second dynasty of the Egyptians. The Nile ran right underneath the three pyramids. The resonant frequency of the water moving forward rattled into the base of the, the pyramids and the different crystals emanated different tones. That's where we actually found the right frequency of 528 through the second Giza pyramid. It was, they are not healing tombs. They were always healing tombs. And that's why the priests of Hathor, Horus, Bastet, Sakhmed, and Thoth were the only ones allowed in them. The pharaohs wanted to be born there because they believed that they are buried there because they believed that the resonance came up. But the, all the pharaohs are 400 kilometers away in the, the, the Valley of the Kings because the priest said, no, you're not putting your dead here. It's crazy when you think about it. And when you go back, that's only 5,000 years ago. If we go by their dates, if we go by ours, it's 10,000. Do you know what I mean? There's so much corruption going on in the world on so many levels. Corruption of information too. Absolutely. 100% corruption of information. There's, We are only privy to about 3% of the facts. And that 3% is enough to scare the shit out of any person. You know, if we look at, and we're going to go slip into that because you started it off beautifully with spiritual DNA because now we know about hybridization, now we know about splicing. We also know that that's extraterrestrial, non-Terran. That means it's not of this planet. So by definition, all these UFO, UAPs, all these unidentified aerial phenomenon, as they're now called, there's so much documentation to prove it. The Pentagon, the CIA, the FBI. Yeah, the Pentagon released their report last year. Was it November or December? I don't remember. Like, or sometime last Go year. Go into the Canadian government. The ex-Ministry of Defense is now an advocate for the disclosure of all information. But here's the facts of it. Only 16% of them sightings are, are extraterrestrial. The rest are human-made. They're man-made vehicles. They're test subjects from Area 53 and Area 51, which the Pentagon has now said are officially military bases, which they didn't do 10 years ago. We're getting to the place, that thanks, uh, it's a, thanks to a lot of work by Dr. Stephen Greer and the unacknowledged and the under... Uh, the unacknowledged and undisclosed and the disclosure program that a lot of this information has come to light they've had information and they've had technology from 1947 that is trans can literally transmute everything of the microchasm of what we classify as wealth and greed in this planet we are being stuck within a consciousness level globally because of greedy man 
Are you aware of the, the stages of consciousness? I don't know. So there's different levels. There's seven different le levels of consciousness. And that's as a global society. So we are sitting at 0.72. We're not even at one, which means we are fully self-sufficient on stuff that isn't fossilized fuel. We could have given up fossilized fuel 30, 40 years ago. But do you take fossil fuel, oil, coal, wood out of the equation? Look at all these big corporations and how they would fall. It's not just the governments. It's the corporations that are paying the governments to look the other way. Think of the pipelines, all the stubble that go, even the, the central one across the, the channel in Russia. Look at the amount of crap that's causing right now. Why? Because nobody wants to admit that they blew it up. It's irrelevant. The fact of the matter is that's millions of dollars of people's cash coming out of the pocket and people are getting pissed off. And we war over resources that aren't required. We have three of the largest variations of free energy on this planet. We have solar power, we have wind power, and we have hydropower. Random side note. When I first come to here, everybody talked about hydro. And I'm like, you do realize that that's not actually hydropower. Like, no, yeah, it is. No, no, no. Only 3% of hydropower in Canada is hydro. What is hydropower? The movement of water generated from a gyroscope, by definition. But Ontario hydro has actually come from a big fucking plant of burning shit. It doesn't come from hydro movement at all. Only 3% does. So even the words and the terminologies that government and society, and even within spiritual society use, is actually curbing us to be one way when it's actually something else and it's a big pet peeve of mine within the spiritual community yeah, as well it just reminded me when you talked about different kinds of power it reminds me of uh four elements you know like the wind and earth uh, and fire water exactly yeah so fire is what we're sitting in combustion yeah it's it's the most volatile it's the one that does the most harm co2 emissions sulfurics in the air changes in the atmosphere mm -hmm. changes in breath air acid and rain. water would be more air Wind power. Mm -hmm. There's wind turbines going up all over the place. They're expensive to put up. Mm -hmm. But that's because the fossil fuel guys who actually make the components for them mm -hmm. <laughs> know that they hold the pattern. And this is the pattern that we're in, right? Mm -hmm. We're in a consistent pattern of trying to pay off the man to get a better way forward. The problem is the, the one person and the collection of people that need to understand that they actually have the power is the normal populace. Mm -hmm. Governments don't have power. If we stand up against them, there's no power. The problem is, we don't believe that we have the power. And I'm not saying go out and riot. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just saying, come together as a consciousness and say, right, if you have somebody, in most countries around the world, you'll have like a Labour or Conservative, a Blue or a Red. You'll have both sides of the, the, the house, as we call it, a parliamentary house. But you always see that one green, you know, the Green Party, the Environmental Party, and we laugh at them. That's the guy I cover. That's the guy I go to because he actually gives a shit about the planet. He doesn't give a shit about making money. He gives a shit about you and he gives a shit about the planet. And when we start pushing people like that, we would have a lot more say in these parliaments and these governments to say, no, we don't want a pipeline there. We would rather you put up wind turbines and get the energy that way or put them out to sea. One of the most beautiful things, have you ever, have you been to the UK? Yeah. So when you're coming into Liverpool, uh, especially across the, uh, the RSC, you actually go through the, the RSC wind turbines. It's literally thousands of wind turbines mm. off the natural air that comes through it. And that's a damn windy channel, I'll tell you. Mm. I haven't lived there most of my life. Mm. 
But even that there is producing half the power for Liverpool and Belfast and Dublin. And that's just one little place. Imagine if that was everywhere. Think of all the coastal cities here. You know what I mean? It's crazy. And then take in nuclear fusion. Then take in black holes. Mm. Then take in dark matter. Then take antimatter. Then take gravitational mm. matter. All these things that have, have scientific patents against mm. them. So if they're patented, it means that they work. And we know that there's over 3,000 patents for alternative fuel. Mm-hmm. But yet we haven't got access to them patents. So back to where we started with star seeds and, and <laughs> <laughs> how much of that influence? Isn't, isn't it their job, like, to be no. the kind of the catalysts of change? And well, apparently they're coming back. So if you want to take it that approach, yeah, it's not their job. We were result. We were slaveries. We were never meant to get to this level of sentience and consciousness. We were meant to be slaves. We were meant to mine gold for them because gold is their, their variance. That's why some of the early civilizations were so wrapped in gold. Mm-hmm. Think of the, the you know, all the old ancient Aztec stories, Mayans the Aztecs, the Mayans, all worked in gold. The Egyptians worked in gold. Yeah. The, um, even the ancient Japanese worked in gold. And then you go a wee bit deeper and you go think of Solomon's and Dave, the yeah. King Solomon's mines and all them sort of things. Mm-hmm. We, were, we were slavery. That's what we were. We're a zoo animals to them, but apparently they're coming back. There's a transition of the planet X, otherwise known as Nibiru, which is the yeah. original home planet of the Anunnaki, the yeah. Watchers, the giant people, which we call Enti and Real, which funny enough appear in Sumerian texts. Mm. And they say that we will be back. Apparently, that planet uh, has an elliptical, um, how would you say, orbit, and comes into our orbit every 2,356 years. Mm-hmm. And it's already sitting behind the sun. We just can't see it. Mm-hmm. And there's scientific evidence to so prove that. you're saying the golden age is, is near? Yeah. Is it the golden age? I don't know. Or is these guys going to turn up and go, what the fuck did you do with this planet? <laughs> Think well, about it. They left us in a very awkward position. Because we didn't have faith before. That we didn't have a faith in higher power or divine or gods mm-hmm. before the Akkadians yeah. and Sumerians. They left us with religious ideology. They left us with calculus, you know, well, certain aspects of agriculture. They left you with all these things that they knew would help us move us forward as a, uh, a civilization. What they didn't take into consideration is man's greedy. Mm. Man's greed was never taken into consideration. They are going to come back and they're going to fuck this place up. Just like they left it with the war that they had with Arcadia and Sumeria and Lemuria, where it was nuclear war and there's evidence of it, archaeological evidence all over the place. The Great Reset is coming, only it's not going to come the way we want it. We're going to go back to the Dark Ages and we're going to learn the basics. So technology will go. That'll be the first thing that'll go. I'll tell you that. Technology has made man's mind lazy. Like how many here would sit and watch a YouTube for 30 minutes. You would watch a YouTube channel, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, would you? yeah, for yeah. sure, for sure. You'd sit there, oh, this interests me. I'm going to watch it for 30, 30 minutes. minutes. <laughs> but you, you might watch a documentary or a TED Talk for an hour and a half, yeah. right? Would you read a book for the same length of time straight after it? No, because you've just wasted one of one and a half hours of your three-hour break. Of your three hours that you have left in the day, you've, somebody has this perspective, instead of reading Mm. and educating yourself based on what they're actually talking about. Even mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. There's so much evidence yeah, out there. Yeah, yeah. Every spare minute I get, even if I'm sitting in this store, I'm in there researching. Mm. 
Hmm, why? Because I need to know. I'm a need to know guy. I'm a why guy. I'm not an annoying kid in the back of the class. Go why? 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 <laughs> why is this? Why is this relevant? Why is it not relevant? And the only reason, you, the only way you're going to get forward in life is by questioning. If you don't ask questions, you don't get answers. And if a lot of people are now in the ideology, well, you know, what if, what if I sound stupid? Who cares? If you don't know, learn it from your perspective. Some people are audible learners. Some people are visual. Some people are verbal. Mm-hmm. Some people so, are practical. Yeah, speaking of learning, uh, what's relevant or is anything relevant for like us, whatever average folk, to know anything about star seeds and your uh, Learn who DNA? you are yourself first. Okay. The problem that we have as a society now and a spiritual society is we're looking to the stars for answers, but we refuse to look inside ourselves. If you spend as much side research in your own emotional patterns and your own emotional libraries, your own triggers, your own energy and understanding your energy, you wouldn't need to look to the stars because you have all the answers there. If we look at the definition that a soul comes from as a star seed, therefore, if you learn yourself, you know everything about where you come from. You know all about your traits. You all know about the the how would you say I want, I want to find the right word for this you would know the potential of your own soul but we spend that much time looking for exterior answers that we don't look interior you want to learn about star seeds learn about yourself why are you drawn to that thing why are you suddenly looking at one constellation every night and you don't even know what it's called because that's your soul saying that's where you live mm-hmm. or maybe that's a way to learn about yourself too yeah, you have to be self-contemplative. You have to understand how you tick. You have to know your triggers, your emotional libraries, your energetic libraries. A lot of people, when we talk about the word energy, it's it's laughed at like the old UFO phenomenon. They're like, oh, this is all God's wallop. No, the ancient Egyptians knew it. The Sumerians knew it. The Arcadians knew it. The Lemurians knew it. The Atlanteans knew it. The ancient Japanese knew it. The ancient Africans knew it. They're, they're still using techniques now in Australia that we can't fathom. With a didgeridoo. Sorry, which reader? You know the didgeridoo? You know that big, long, stupid instrument that they have? <laughs> right? So what they have actually found is if you play the didgeridoo at a specific tone completely, it levitates stones right in front of it. They can pick a stone up and place it in a basket if they hit the right resonance tone. Does that not make that the resonance tone that we see all across Japan, all across the Middle East, all across North Africa, it doesn't make it so unbelievable that can do it if they're using sound and tone to vibrate the resonance within the object that they're levitating. It's been documented for years, but we've been so blinded to it because, oh, it's the aliens. The white people are the funniest people, and I'm going to say that. And I'm white. I'm freaking Casper white, right? But it's the funniest thing. When you ask them who made the pyramids, everyone, aliens. <laughs> and then you turn around and go, do you believe in aliens? Shut up. <laughs> totally contradictive. Why? Because if we can't fathom it, we put it outside. But the problem is we've lost more knowledge than what we have now. We are now more mentally, and I'm going to say this term and I shouldn't, retarded than we were 2,000 years ago. Them guys knew stuff that we're only relearning now. Energy systems being one of them. Chakra systems being another. Spirituality, consciousness, vibration, sound, noise. All of these things that we are reinvestigating now, they knew as a way of life back then. We are thousands of years worse off than they are. 
because they believed wholeheartedly in the power of the individual, of the collective consciousness, and of sound, and of light, and of healing. It's only when the greed came out, the pharmaceutical greed, the big pharmaceutical companies came out, that we got to a stage where we were like, I don't know if I can do this, folks. I need a pill for that. When your brain has every enzyme on the planet to heal yourself, you don't need a pill. You need a really good belief in your own body. Diseases don't kill people. Stupid brains kill people. If you cannot believe in the power of yourself, how are you expecting this little pill that's full of a fucking substance that you have no awareness of how the chemical compound of it, it could be filled with freaking powder for all you know, but yet you put your belief in it. But your brain knows, hey, they give me a pill. I'll get myself better. You're just stimulating the points that are already there. And that's where I think the detach comes from. That we have put our belief in so many big corporations that we don't believe that we can exist without them. So the thought of you not being able to go down to your local Rexall or Shoppers Drug Mart if you're from Canada and getting a thing of Tylenol or Advil scares the shit out of you. When it does, all you have to do is, I don't feel pain. And by saying it, you're training your brain not to feel pain. It's the weirdest thing, but it works. 20,000 scientific studies, 1.6 million people tested under placebo effective pills says different. It says that your brain has the power. So what's the most obvious um, blockage for your brain to send that enzyme that you need to, to... Stop listening to bullshit. We are so inundated with inaccurate information that our, our focus and our study has been pushed elsewhere. So again, we'll go back to that time all Advil, right? We have now got a generation of people who don't know how to heal except for with using painkillers, right? If you keep listening to that's the only way, and if you keep inundating yourself with the information that that is the only way, then you're never going to get out of this situation. You're never going to be able to have that blockage lifted to say, my brain has the power. One of the biggest studies I'm researching lately is res uh, resonance frequencies, where they actually find a resonant frequency that kills off cancer cells. Is that Resonance Academy that you... Uh, no, this uh, is a completely different... But Resonance Academy has a lot of good information right now. But right now they're test subjecting um, resonance frequencies at certain heart ratios to uh, combat cancer, and they have scientifically proved it works. Mm -hmm. Now, funny enough, the guy who scientifically proved it mm, disappeared four months ago. This? It was a. Uh, oh, that's not the uh, Harmine, no. No, that's somebody else. There's so many, and that's my problem. When something goes against a big, big corporation, they have to go. But and that's the biggest block in people, where they are so reliant on what they feel that they need that they don't know what they actually need. A lot of people are just dehydrated and not enough sleep. They're overworked, overstressed, underhydrated. The healing power of water is unbelievable. And water holds consciousness. So if you take a glass of water and you hold it in your hands and you look at that water and you say out audibly, you're going to get rid of my headache. That water molecularly changes. And you ingest it and your head goes. Headache goes. I read the book that one of the doctors who got into prison in Russia, he was healing entire prisoner, prisoners 
uh, was just water. Because that's what it is. Water holds memory. When water gets angry, it shows you. When, uh, when it gets happy, it shows you. It's nice and calm. It's pleasant. Oh, the energy's good. It's the exact same way. It har- uh, we associate water. You have to remember, we are a very large percentage water in our body. We're of a higher percentage of open space than we do of water, believe it or not. But water in, and the introduction into water, the system hydrates and moves everything a lot more efficiently, includes, keeps the core temperature at a specific rate, which induces healing. But the molecular study behind water shows that if you influence water in any way, it holds it forever. And it starts teaching the next cell the same thing. So if you have one water particle on one side of the room that you're throwing negativity and you have another one that's isolated on the other side of the room, it starts to get negative connotations. Right? So water, we can scientifically prove, communicates to each other over long periods of time. Right? And how much percentage water are we? And yet we can't tell ourselves we need a heal. We can't tell ourselves not to be depressed. We can't tell ourselves not to be susceptible. We're doing this to ourselves, folks. As horrible as it sounds, disease, stress, suppression, we do it to ourselves. Because we don't code the very one thing that every human form needs. Water and breath. What's the first thing you do? When you come out of your mother's womb, breathe. At what point are you diagnosed as dead? When you stop breathing. What does breath do? It takes oxygen, water moisture, out of the very atmosphere that you're sitting in. So if you consciously breathe, I need to get rid of my headache. You're pulling the moisture vapor from the air. And you're literally coding this new system. You want to learn how to heal yourself? Work with water. Immerse yourself in water. Wim Hof. Dude's a genius. I'm actually getting really into his stuff right now. Like, I've known about him for a long time. My buddy swears from him. But I've been getting into Wim Hof really intensely recently. Cold water, I think. Yeah, the cold water. But it's even the breath work that's associated with it. And he tells you why it works. The science behind it is phenomenal. But all he's doing is coding his brain. And he's showing you that you can do it. The point that we have is when we turn off that YouTube video, we turn off that documentary, that TED talk, we have to be able to believe that we have the same ability as him because we're all equal. And we don't. Because the next thing after you see Wim Hof's breathing exercise, you'll see an advert in the middle of it. Need an Advil, need a Tylenol. And we go straight back subliminal messaging. This guy's onto something. These guys are trying to deflect it. It was like what uh, Dorian, uh, no, uh, Dorian Cor- uh, Cannon. Dorian Cannon said, uh, and it was something that was actually quite profound when you think about it. She used the old adage that of Socrates, if you knew the power of your mind, you wouldn't think. She says, and it was very open, that disease doesn't kill people, stupidity does. Because we don't, we, we put the power into other people when it's all in our own head. If you're spiritual, you believe you're connected to source, right? If you're religious, you're connected to God, right? So you have all the power of the universe in yourself through your soul, which they've scientifically 
proven exists. So for any person who's listening to think, well, I don't know if the soul is real. Look at all the studies. At the point of death, the body loses 2.2 pounds. Right across the board, it loses 2.2 pounds. At the very last moment of breath, the exhale breath, as we call it, the death breath. Right? You're breathing out and the soul literally leaves your body. They've scientifically proven that. So if you have the scientific proof to back it up, and then you know you're connected to source, and you know you're connected to the cosmos, and you know you're connected to your God, why the hell are you listening to these people with big pockets? It's crazy. Go on. You can introduce you at any time, don't <laughs> I can ramble for hours, as you can hear. I'm down. Just you jump in. About soul, this morning, uh, uh, one lady, she told me, when we attach to some people or some emotion, we're actually losing part of our soul. It's probably a stupid question, but they're still thinking about how we can... I ask, are you sure we're losing part of our soul to somebody else? No, we're not. No. So so that's a figurative speech, and I would agree with the, the figurative speech. So what actually happens when we create an etherical cord? It works on the same vibration as our soul. So our soul may power the cord, but it doesn't continually power it. So think of it, um, uh, look at the cord of, for the mic, right? The computer is powering that cord. So source is powering the cord. You're getting to talk about it. The cord is connected, but is not conducive of it. So when you think, uh, when we meet a person and we are within that person's aura field, and we're there for an extended period of time, we can create a connection to that person, yes. But our soul doesn't power it. It might initiate it. Think of it like it gives it the breath of life. But we don't power it. The ion fear, the cosmos, whatever you want, powers it. Soul connections, uh, that's, that's a bastardization of two ideologies. Because if you look at soul connections and etherical connections, they're two different things. Soul connections actually work when you have a part of your soul, which is called soul sharding, is actually split from you. The only time that occurs is if you're a twin. That's why twins can do shit that other people can't, where they they literally could be at two different parts of the world, separated from birth, and yet they'll have the same job, the same look, the same dress sense, and generally the same looking wife. And they could be 10,000 kilometers apart. Right? So souls have that, or twins have that ability. That's called soul sharding. But when you're talking about creating a theoretical cord, you don't power every theoretical cord that you've got. That's impossible. Think of every person you've met in your lifetime. All the ones that you've walked past in a mall, all the ones you've walked past the street by. Your brain has seen them. Your brain has taken a picture. That means that you've created a cord. You've created a cord to that person. It's called associational cording. So you're traveling to work on a bus every day. And you get on that bus at the same bus stop at the same time every day. And you have that old guy or that old lady sitting at the front of the bus at the same time every day. The one time you've never talked to them, you've never interacted with them, you've seen them every day. The one time they're not there, you suddenly go into stress. And it's called associational distress. Where your brain is so used to seeing that person sitting on that seat when you get onto that bus on a daily basis that it actually causes you stress. In that moment, you are powering that connection because it's went from a passive connection to a conscious connection. That's when the soul comes into play because that's the source of our power. This is an engine. It's a battery. 
you can accelerate it, you can slow it down, you can do everything you want with it. You can increase its vibration, you can decrease its vibration. But it's like anything else, it's got a bat- it's a battery. So it only needs a pulse. It doesn't need consistent connection. And that's one thing where, again, the name of the podcast, Spirituality Without the Fluff, all these fluffy technologies and these fluffy ideologies are out there. But nobody has any definitive facts. The only way where we can actually prove or disprove spirituality, spiritual connection, consciousness and consciousness awakening is by tapping into the scientific community to give us backup. I'm not against spirituality, conformity, religion or anything. I'm a truth seeker. I'm not a truth acceptor. I want the truth. And the truth is we do not power it because there's no evidence to back it up. Because there's only one person or one entity, and that's your God, that's your cosmos, that's your universe, has the ability to power a connection that is not you. I'll give you something to contemplate on that. All right? Your subconscious mind knows nothing else but you. That's a scientific fact. If you isolate the two firing zones, your brain, your subconscious knows nothing else but you. You are its world, you are its God, you are its power. That's all it knows, right? Let's take that ideology right there. And we know that our soul is subconscious. So the only thing it can ever power is you, by definition. It means it doesn't have the ability to power else anything else because it doesn't know anything but you. Subconscious is always associated with the soul. It's a process that we are conscious about, but it's beneath our understanding, subconscious by definition. And if your subconscious knows nothing but you, how can your soul or subconscious power anything else? Makes sense, right? Kind of logical. But the science totally proves that statement. Your neuron one and neuron two firing zones don't operate at the same time. It's information. It's going back into our subconscious, coming out of our subconscious, going in and out. It's like a valve. And if your soul is the battery for your subconscious, your subconscious will never power a cord to another person. That's a conscious decision. Never subconscious or soul. And that's just based on the... Hmm? Well, so it's the figurative speech that you know you give part of your soul to somebody. That's figurative. so essentially, but uh, if we're looking at tech, an emotional connection with that person, and then you feeding that emotional connection. Yeah, but you have to feed it consistently. You have to consciously feed it. You can't subconsciously feed it, and that's where, by definition, your soul comes from. So you can't on a soul on a soul level, you cannot feel a cord. You have to consciously maintain that cord. That's my point. But why are they telling only subconsciously all these problems subconscious? come from subconscious so we have what's called kadonic consciousness which is stuff that's hidden in our dna it's information that's hidden in our dna that comes from our parents or grandparents or grand or great-grandparents that's the dna memory that's called kadonic memory response syndrome so we have that we aren't aware of unless we investigate our emotional libraries and then we'll go well frick this is my response it's actually my mom's Mm -hmm. that's where we get that expression oh you're very like your mother you're very like your father you're very like your grandparents because we have the traits built in of our dna 
<laughs> so the other side of that, when it comes to emotional, uh, how would you say, transitions, we can actually co code that as a habit. Remember that our subconscious is like, think of it like an operating system of a computer. So if you have the screen, that's your eyes. You have the speaker, that's your ears. You have the microphone, that's your sound, right? Then you have the internal workings. That's your software, that's your emotions, your eating patterns, your lymphatic system, your biomimetic system, your bone system, your cellular system, your vanic system, your capillary system. Look at it as being apps, right? You take all that. And you take all the programming behind that. That programming can update and learn at all times, just like your subconscious can. So if you subject your subconscious to the same pattern on the same amount of days for an extended period of time, it becomes a pattern. And that's the whole point of knowing your emotional library. The response to that pattern, you can change or you can make based on what you give it. You are the computer. That is the software. If you give it enough stimulus within that area, you will tell it that's where it comes from. And that's how we get literally subliminal programming, where we subtly put it in our face day in, day out, 24-7. And we get the same output, so it becomes subconscious. It becomes we're immune to its effects. So when it actually happens, it's no big shock to us. That's how they've done it in movies. That's how they do it in all these things. If we look at uh, the movie Avatar, uh, James Cameron and now Avatar 2 is out as well. But you look at that, where it actually shows the transfer of con uh, consciousness from a human body into, a, let's say, an alien body. Well, technically speaking, if you look at us as being starseeds, we're the opposite way around. We are them, blue, big, tall things, and we're being put into a human vessel, if you're going to look at starseeds from that variance. But either way, there still has to be a programming. Your mind has to adjust. Your mind has to change. It has to become a subconscious routine for it to become a, a, a notable pattern. And it's about programming our brains and knowing that we have the power to do so just by thought. If you knew the power of your thoughts, you wouldn't think. Every time you think, 1.7 billion cells fired, not 0.07 volts. That's the equivalent of a nuclear bomb. And that's for every thought you have. And one of the side notes on the thought, a thought doesn't last like, I'm sure everybody's sitting here going, I'm thinking, this doesn't, this resonates. That thought goes on for eternity. Every thought you have right now, if you go 20 light years into the universe and you could capture the human consciousness, it would all be out there. They reckon that the universe does, isn't expanding. <laughs> it is, it is very scary. Think of every negative thought you've had from your abort, and that's there for eternity. And that's why they claim some more liberally minded scientists claim that the universe isn't expanding. It's uh, or expanding through uh, space or antimatter. It's actually expanding through consciousness and our thought process. So the, the universe has to expand in order to hold all the thought processes of every species in the universe. That's crazy when you think about it. Mm -hmm. And something has to contract on what that something is. That's interesting, too. Mm -hmm. It's really, th there's so much layers to this that it's, but when we take one ideology and we don't investigate it properly, then we're just, we're, instead of being corporate sheep, we're just being spiritual sheep. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm saying. Anything I say, go and research it. 
Come up with your own formulation because this is your life. It's not mine. Right? Do what's best for you. Always research multiple sources, but don't take one source for granted. And that's why, you know, even with the, with the podcast and this new phrase that I've coined recently, be a truth seeker, not a truth acceptor, go out and do your own research. But don't just do it from one source. Do it from multiple sources covering the same thing and then draw your own conclusions going, right, well, this adds up. This resonates with me. And by definition, that means it's getting to you on a soul level. Then you know what's right for you. And if it's not pushing soul, meaning it. subconscious level. Yeah, by definition. What by about def- spirit? There is soul, there is spirit. They're two different things, right? Depending on your ideology. What is spirit? Something that that spirit is a reaction. So of if a thought. soul and is subconscious that knows only you, so and spirit is something that is connected spirit is with a result something. Of both is a, a result of the thought process. If you have spirit in something, that means you've already thought of the consequences. Latin's high spirited. No, but what about that divine spirit? You know, connection. That's two to different this? things. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. So you know, see the way that even adding the word divine spirit, you're literally taking on a completely different ideology. And I think that's the problem with the westernized world. We have so many conflicted ideologies, we don't actually know what it is. Divine Spirit, or the Holy Spirit, if you want to be accurate about it, is one, it's uh, Judeo-Christian ideology. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. But then in the very first things, um, you are of God, and you are made of God, and you are a part of God, and you are God, you are the house of God's world. Mm -hmm. So even by definition, by saying that, what is the Holy Spirit? It's It's your soul. By definition, it is a result of the movement of the communication of your soul to your higher source. So soul does communicate with higher source. It's not just the subconscious that only knows you, but, but knows a higher you as well, like you are. Subconscious knows every part of you. You just don't you know, get to communicate <laughs> with it that often. Okay, so that, that makes sense. And so then your higher you, whatever that that that, that uh, bigger part that we don't know is, has then some sort of knowledge of not just you but like some so if you take it from the ideology which is which is known galactical ideology mm-hmm. that means your soul is part of the divine consciousness of the entire universe that means you know everything and know nothing at the same time mm-hmm. you are here and you are there you are not here you are black you are white all at the same time mm-hmm. but that's a concept that as a human being we cannot align to because our brain has that logical neuron one firing zone mm-hmm. we need a finite start and finish we can't have an infinite thought process that sends us down a depressive hole. We have to have a start and finish. So if we look at subconscious as being um, unlimitedly connected to a divine source that you cannot face and you cannot sit in front of and have a conversation with, our brain cannot comprehend that. Mm-hmm. And that's why the terminologies are very important. Mm-hmm. We want to appease the logical mind but still have the consciousness expansion to know that it's more than logic and analytics and stimulus of chemicals. Because if we take that approach, then even our emotions are invalid. Mm-hmm. Because what is an emotion? It's a collection of neurons. It's a collection of firings. It's a collection of uh, mm-hmm. enzymatic and chemicals within our body that our brain recognizes through multiple different layers. There has to be a situation from the outside, an mm-hmm. external. There has to be a physical reaction, which is usually a mannerism or a tick. And then there has to be that feeling. And then a thought associated with that too. Exactly. Like explanation so, or some sort of But reaction. then the subconscious takes all that as a checklist and goes, well, you gritted your teeth. You clenched your fist, your temperature went up, your heartbeat went up. Okay, you're angry. But what is it? It's a term that we put on it. It's just energy. 
and it's very hard to educate people on the spiritual expansion of consciousness and the connection to a higher source when we can't even put a name on the higher source because every person's interpretation of that mm-hmm. is different what you call god some may call cosmos what some may call cosmos some people call it universal what some people call it universal other people call atheisms and just bring it down to science and chemical balance and then you take the, the other extreme variations where we're all results of star seeds and we're all results of spiritual dna right back to the start of the podcast but you have to understand that everybody is right and everybody is wrong because nobody has all the answers and that's where when you asked you know well how do we move forward look inside Go to you. You know you know you better than any person, any healer, any guru, any meditation expert, any doctor in the world. You know your body better than any person. I'm sure everybody's had a situation when you've went to a doctor or you've went to somebody of what we would classify as an expert within our own bodies and go and but you're not getting it. I'm not feeling what you're saying. Because you know your body better. Well, you know your mind better. You know your spirituality better. You know your ideology better. You know your terminology better. So use that and don't let anybody tell you different. Because that's the only thing that's accurate. Your interpretation of your life is the only thing that nobody can tell you. Why? Because you've interpreted. Based on your experience, your trauma, your understanding, your energy, your emotion, your situation, your geography, your genealogy, and your hope for movement forward. And that's the, the strange thing. We give all this power to gurus. We give all these power to mentors and spiritual teachers. And we have all that power in ourselves because we are the only ones that know us. One of the greatest expressions I ever heard was from a lady who was teaching, um, no, mentoring a class in Ireland. And it was on esoteric craft, right? And her thing, or her says, never perform another spell for another person because you don't know their true prayers to God. Because what somebody says to you and what they're actually feeling will never line up. Ever. It can't. It's impossible. There's no way you can get every thought and every feeling and every emotion in your head out of your mouth on the same frequency. It's impossible. We have to interpret based on the language. We have language barriers. We have understanding barriers. We have knowledge barriers. We have consciousness barriers. We have frequency barriers. And that's where we have to be very careful mm-hmm. in how we teach people. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we're just breeding mm-hmm. within the spiritual community another level of sheep. We have mm-hmm. government sheep, we have corporate sheep, we have capitalist sheep, we have consumerism sheep, sheep mm-hmm. and now we're going to have spiritual sheep because we're all following the same crap instead of following the one thing that we all know, which is our soul and our intuition. So that's exactly where I'm leading next is uh, about intuition. And uh, I'm encountering a lot, of <clears throat> a lot of people who never really thought about intuition or developing whatever, now waking up to this... <clears throat> Uh, self-potential intuition and they and not waking up just because someone's telling them but because they um feeling something feeling is forced to because well, as the hope and the consciousness level of the the globe expands right because there's a lot of negativity out there let's be honest but there's also a hell of a lot of positivity there's a lot of people going through spiritual consciousness awakening That's exactly. there's a lot of people going through well as the the global populace's consciousness level comes up the ion fear comes up too the energy level comes up and it makes it easier for people to be more spiritually conscious whereas before well, intuitive, it was, uh, you know self intuitively self-intuitive. well what is intuit- intuition it's your soul telling you something's good for you or something's bad for you that's always governed <laughs> Right? It all comes from somewhere else. So when you get an intuition, it is your body reacting to an influx of energy coming externally to you, which is either positive or negative. 
you're feeling good about it, you're going to explore it more. If you're feeling bad, you shut down. You start to think. You start to defend. You start to see what emotion or what reaction it's triggering. Because we can never change an emotion. Emotion is just a set blueprint of chemicals and uh, chemical processes within the, the intestines and within the, uh, within the body. We can never change that. What we can do is change our reaction. And if we change our reaction, we recode our subconscious mind to not do that same pattern. And that, by definition, is codonic or limbic uh, realignment. It's crazy when you think about it. But, all, you know, the, the, the ongoing theme of this whole topic of conversation tonight is you have the power yourself. Stop looking for other people. Right? Oh, we still do need to have some sort of comprehension of, you know, how and... Like. I think that's the thing, where a lot of people are, you know... Like, even if we, if we look at different terms, if we look at the term consciousness, if we look at the term consciousness and we look at these different variations of the term consciousness, if you don't understand what the baseline of consciousness is, the rest of it's just gobbledygook to you. It's understanding it from your perspective and finding an analogy or a terminology that works and stick with that. Don't chop and change it because somebody else changes the tune. You know what I mean? You can... Uh, uh, one of the classic um, examples of that... It was a great lecture. He was from the early 1900s. Um, uh, Adrian Keith, you called him. And he said, Mozart's fourth symphony is still fourth symphony. It doesn't matter if it's paid in D, E, or G. It's still the same symphony. It's just changed to suit the audience. And that's the same as your mind. It's still the same mind. You're just changing it to suit the audience. Don't let the audience influence you. You influence your audience. And that, by definition, is living a spiritual life. You got one? I'm, I'm looking at the contemplation all around here. What? Uh, I'm going to have, we're literally going to be closing this down in a couple of months. Yeah, it's... it's so we're going to have two more, two more questions. One from you, and we're going to have one from the quiet one in the corner who hasn't said a word yet. And then after that, we're going to end this for tonight. <laughs> How to raise consciousness? Consciousness expansion comes from information and knowledge. The more you learn the more you understand. And that is when your consciousness rises. But learn it, as I say, from multiple sources. Don't learn it from one person because then you get, is that them teaching you? Or is that them manipulating you into their thought ideology? Which I'm very careful about. And I'm, I'm sure you've noticed that I've given multiple perspectives. I, I, I understand. I really like the saying uh, that, that uh, guru time is gone. Mm-hmm. You must be your guru. Yeah. So what is a guru? It's a representation of an ideology. So every person should be their own guru. You should be the captain of your ship because this is your life and only you're going to understand it from your perspective. And that's why I keep saying, learn it from multiple sources. I never, you know, there is some people that pique my attention, but even if I'm getting an attention so right now, uh, I say Wim Hof's piquing my attention. I've known about his work for a long time, loved it, watched every documentary. But now I'm watching the science. So I'm not just watching Wim Hof. I'm watching the scientists that worked in Wim Hof. And I'm watch, uh, watching their TED Talks and their information and their data to get multiple perspectives of the same thing. And from that, I'm going to formulate my own belief system. And that's my right because it's my body and my mind and my consciousness and my journey. And that's what I'm saying to every person who's listening and every person in here. Don't be afraid to go through multiple channels of the same ideology to get the information that you 
understand and resonates with you because that's the only way you're going to grow. And it's silver to the quiet one in the corner. (laughs) For those that obviously aren't here in Canada, we've had one person in the corner who has just literally sat in the corner and never opened their mouth all night. So now I'm putting her on the spot. I never heard so much information in the one shot. <laughs> That's a lot, isn't it? I have it down. Welcome, welcome to the people who actually work with me <laughs> and the people who are studying under me. So they much. get this all the time. It's an honor for me, honestly. I have down down to earth question. Okay. Uh, more about uh, healing, self healing, reducing inflammation, a little bit of Wim Hof there. Mm-hmm. Have you heard about earthing or grounding? Yes. What do you think about it? I I just discovered it for myself. I go barefoot and <laughs> my family thinks that I'm a little bit crazy. No, it's absolutely, it's scientifically proven to be one of the most amazing things you can do for yourself. Uh, uh, learning how to release uh, negative ion charge in your body is the most crucial thing because negative ion charge sets us up to hold negative air. Inflammation is excess chemicals or fluid around the joints that haven't been earthed, as you call it. Um, walking on the earth is a good way of doing it walking on anything that's sodium based like salt uh, especially salt water so mm-hmm. if you got an epsom salt and foot bath you're you're golden for a while um but yeah the science behind it is that proves that we have an excess static charge in our body um you know when you need really good earthing or grounding when you can walk around somebody and give them an electric shock for no reason mm. you know the way you can shuffle your you shuffle your feet well, actually creating a charge but your body naturally does that so if you have too much energy and you're shocking on everything or you're walking past something and shock it means you've excess energy just go out and stick your feet in the ground because the world has a natural magnet we have a natural north and south pole so it will naturally pull it out of you yeah grounding and earthing is one of it's one of the most important um practices that you should bring in it's as important as breathing and eating and drinking for my Himalayan, yeah. Himalayan salt's a wee bit different. Um, the reason why it, it requires heat, because the heat actually burns it into the atmosphere. So that's changing the ion count of the space. It doesn't change the internal. Um, whereas anything towards the feet, think of reflexology here. Most of the people will go head reflexology, hand reflexology, and feet reflexology, because they're points of meridians where we're actually the grounding terminals, as we call it, or the positive ion, or the positive ion charge, or the microchakra system is closest to the skin. So yeah, one hundred percent. Do it three thousand times a day. Yeah, the question is like, uh, earthing is a good thing. I feel it. I understand it. But uh, grounding in the way, like I live on the twenty eighth floor flat, right? And they invented those mats that you connect to the power. I I sell them in here. You sell them? I have I have oh, one sitting okay. right over there. I have them earthen mats. Okay. Yeah. But and here's a little but there. Their mats are phenomenal. You can sleep on them. You can work on them. You can walk on them. They'll grind you instantly. But don't take out the power for your own mind. You're associating because you're 28 floors up in the air that that you don't have the ability to grind. So if that if that building gets hit by lightning, where no, does it go? No, it's just so much electricity around me. Imagine but like where, how so many So you think of that building getting hit with a, a lightning strike, where does the electric go? Uh, down it no that's not the thing i'm working in front of computer i have my phone i have wi-fi everywhere around mm-hmm. me like i feel overwhelmed yeah you're energetically overwhelmed yeah. so yeah grinding will help like but then you also have to understand that you're powering it by having that thought process because you understand that when you give something power like the fact that oh well this is uh, i've got this emf i've got this wi-fi around me we're all surrounded by it but if i turn around and i said to you well if i say to your brain 
only take the positivity out of that, you wouldn't believe me that it's that simple. It literally is that simple because what you're going to tell your brain is eradicate the rest, keep the positive. Mm -hmm. So keep the knowledge that you're getting from the computer screen, but ground out the negative from the comes from the LCD. Mm-hmm. So again, we're back to the power of the mind. Mm-hmm. But yeah, grounding practice is really good, but it's just as good as breathing. A good breathing session can actually ground more efficiently than going into like the sea. Have to, you have to understand that energy doesn't recognize floors. Ex- energy doesn't recognize computers. It doesn't recognize walls. Energy will go where it needs to go because it's molecularly based. It's on a microchasm cell. It's smaller than micro. It's literally molecules. So when you have an electric, uh, you know, an electron, which is one of the smallest molecules you can get, it can go anywhere. It doesn't recognize your 28 floors up. It sees the earth and it's going, I need to get down there. It'll go. Don't worry that it has to go through 16 people's computers and through all the stress and all that. If it needs to get down there, believe in the power of your own mind is what I'm saying as well. Don't always put it onto the, the, the variance of a tool. However, the benefits of walking on the earth and bare feet and taking that energy in through your your system has been scientifically proven from the ancient uh, ancient egyptians that's why they never ever wore uh, sandals or any sort of coverings when they were on holy ground because the magnetic pull of them holy them places actually dropped out it's actually a really good question but here's another side note some people ground the opposite way Uh, see there's a shocker for you right there i just watched everybody's face just drop so we associate with grounding is going to the ground. But what if you're a starseed and you know you're a starseed and you live a starseed lifestyle? You should be grounding to the cosmos. You should be pulling the energy up from your feet and out through your crown. One in every 2,000 people have what's called a reverse polarity soul matrix. So they actually need to push their energy through That's the crown. easier for me. I'm on the 20th. <laughs> so much higher than normally. That, generally, you'll find the people who have a difficulty in grounding energy who sort of feel the energy move down their legs and it sticks in around their shins and ankles and they can't move it anymore, actually are grounding the wrong way. They're taking the technique that doesn't work for them. I know other people who do vortexual grounding, which means they actually create this vortex out of each of their uh, major seven chakra system and push the energy out that way. There's hundreds of different techniques. That's what I was saying. Research a technique that works for you, but don't ever dismiss the power of your mind. But I like I literally have their mats over there, and I know how good they are, and they rock. <laughs> I love them. I'm getting one for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you can sleep with them, you can meditate with them, and you can just put your feet on them and just ground all the time. They're fantastic. I love them. I love them. I think they're amazing too, and they they literally plug into the earthen socket. They're amazing. So that's it, folks. Thank you. That's another night of knowledge. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for your questions because we went down a lot of rabbit holes. And uh, I'm really happy that you, I'm really grateful that you took time to listen to me because as you said at the start, there's a lot of gurus out there. There's a lot of people with knowledge out there. And I I appreciate when somebody takes the time to hear me rant on about random stuff for an hour or so. So thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And have a great night. So folks, you ever want to be a part of a night of knowledge, uh, just look out for our website, uh, check out my Instagram, uh, rstevie underscore shinewaves, and keep an update for the next one. Come in, be a part of the live audience, have a few questions, and as you can see, we go down many rabbit holes. So that's us for this episode, and we'll see you in the next one.